In olden days, <laughs> a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking, but now God knows <laughs> anything goes. Sorry, and copyright. Do <laughs> <laughs> if um, since you were mentioning it earlier, and I I don't know, care if you have this conversation on or off mic. Um, about being in like the Vanderlyn gang or gangs in general, do you think that you could like hurt or kill someone, maim? If it was a cop. Yeah, well, you said someone, so right. Someone. Yeah, never mind. Um, because I have a strong opinion on this, and I don't know if it's true, but I've stabbed a someone, and I've held someone dying in my arms, two separate occasions. Yeah. S- so I don't know if I'd have an issue with it. See, I wouldn't really. Um, I would feel like a police officer was like an enemy combatant. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like an, like a uniformed enemy soldier. Like I could understand the and contextualize the morale. I'm sure it would haunt me on some level because I can't really divorce the humanity beyond that. But I do think in the moment I could certainly find that that will Especially like with a Pinkerton or something like that. Oh, if it was a yeah. Pinkerton, I'd have no fucking issue. And uh, if somebody was like incredibly wealthy, again, I think that like it would sort of eclipse their humanity in my eyes. This is all in Minecraft, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we're well, talking about we're like talking about like in the game. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, cause I think. I think the thing is. And I will actually kind of get into this a little bit, but just a um, little bit of uh, of, a, of a teaser for the for that conversation later. I, I think the thing the thing is how um, what capitalism does and liberalism as a justifying ideology of capitalism does it obstructs and obscures the the violence that naturally exists between classes and and strata so the you know like fucking a great example is like you know uh, a businessman fucks over half a town and gets a slap on the wrist that he can handle for it but how many people's lives are fucking you know are screwed in in the aftermath that that violence is just obscured and obstructed and not and not direct. So I think that the most important thing when you're looking at at people like the Vanderlins or uh, or Butch Cassidy or or whoever um, is to is to see it in that in that framework that is the acceptance of the of the violence and the willfulness to to act on it yourself and not just um, obscure it to the, to the state or the Pinkertons or or whatever. So, yeah, because I don't, you know, I've, if I was in that situation, you know, the the necessity of uh, of violence, even to you know extreme measures, um would hopefully be something that I would have the the courage to um to take on myself, you know, and not 
tried to put off on on someone else or some other or some other institution. Um, but you know, you can't know what she would be. Honestly, if I was That's yeah. true, yeah. if I was then, um, then odds are I would be in this a pretty much exact same place, a little bit further uh down, a little bit further down into Pope County. Uh but still fucking farming wheat and, and cattle, you know, who I am now, um I can't really project that back onto, you know, my what conditions I would be in at the time. So, you know, you can't know. Yeah, because while I've done that to somebody, yeah, I also, even in the video game, as I've told you before, I don't, like, I didn't want to beat the fuck out of people, but now that I've gone further into the game, I'm like, you have the option to save them, but I'm definitely going to shoot them in the back of the <laughs> head the next time they run. Uh this one's been a hard playthrough um, because, like, I, you know, I usually just naturally just play for a while until I go to another mission or whatever. But since we're only doing a few missions at a time, I really only play for, like, a couple hours every week and just dick around for a little bit, do the missions, and then whatever. So I haven't really had time to get the violence out of my system. Yeah. And that usually happens by the time I get to San Denis. I'm usually, like, ready for, like, Arthur to start. And it's been really, really hard this time to um, to not fuck with people. Like, I was in... Um, I was in San Denis, and I was going to do the, um, the mission with Trelawney. And uh, I don't know what the fuck happened, but, like... You know, I was galloping through, and it's usually a bad idea. It's usually better to just park the horse and walk in Sandini. Ooh, um, I was I just know, galloping yeah. through Sandini, and uh, you know, there was a pedestrian, mm -hmm. and um, it was close to a cop. And no, I think I actually ran over a cop. I think that's yeah. what happened. So <laughs> it's just like when you're driving down the road and you're like, mm, "What if?" Right. So, so the cops pissed, you know, the, and but the cop lets me go. But then, what? because of the cops, just like, because I hadn't done anything yet in that, oh. that day to that point. So, you know, um, the cop lets me go. And, but then, because of that whole kerfuffle, I can't do the Trelawney mission for a few minutes. So um. I'm just sitting there, just like kind of bored and everything, walking around. And then that's kind of when I get into trouble, is when, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. so. I've been having that issue with playing it in missions because, like, especially with my work schedule where I'm just like, I want to go figure out what that thing is in the background, but yeah, got this thing to do. Which uh. is why I'm always like, who's fucking shooting? Just that's all I say half the time when I'm playing the game. There's always markers and you never seem to notice them <laughs> or ch like check the minimap. Yeah. So I have subtitles on because I cannot hear shit inside of video games and so like I'll just be running and I'll get just barely away from it enough to where I get the snippet of a conversation mm -hmm. and then it's gone and I don't know in which direction it was coming from because right. it was like blinking but then now it's gone yeah yeah 
I don't know. Violence-wise, I always find myself... The only thing that really motivates me to, like, kill people just wantonly is gambling. You know? <laughs> just losing a hand. Yeah. It's hazardous to the neighborhood. I don't understand card games just as a person. Right. So... Same. Right? Yeah. And so, like, I don't gamble inside of Red Dead. I just go and play dominoes. Mm-hmm. See, I also don't understand how fucking dominoes works. I like feel like it's a lot more it's a lot more visually uh clear. It's like it's a, a game you can learn I'm usually sure. within like one or two rounds, but like um poker, I understand how actually w- we've talked about this a bunch, but if it weren't for the first Red Dead game, I wouldn't understand how to play it because right. I completely hold your hand through it. And dominoes uh, with Tilly is different than like dominoes at other places. Yeah, they play different versions of the game. There's like, yeah. you know, six different standard versions of dominoes but they're they're all they all operate under similar terms it's just like what the goal is specifically is a little bit different um yeah i like the multiples of five i think that's a fun one the i I forget what you call it five sum or something like that yeah where you have to yeah yeah the edges all have to equal multiples of five for you to get points I don't like that one the best, but the one where you, okay, so do you remember when I was watching you play dominoes and you stood up and shot that guy because you lost? Mm -hmm. Like, do you remember specifically the area that I'm talking about? Yeah, by the railway. Yeah. What is that area? It's right by Emerald Ranch, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, probably. That's the only one I play. Yeah. Because I don't have to worry about um, doing it. The fives or doing it. There's one where... It's like the least amount of numbers possible, I think. Like score wise. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that one. I at all. We just try to have the lowest number whenever you're done playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. But yeah, no, that's that's what inspires me to violence is I'll have like a like a you know, maybe like a pair of nines or something and then mm-hmm. Somebody comes out with like a straight or a fucking, they'll just hit. Like I'll have I'll have like a really solid like I'll have like three of a kind, and then somebody will come out with like a fucking, you know, uh, queens over nines, flush or uh, like and just fucking wreck. Oh wait, no, it'd have to be that wouldn't be a flush, would it? Be a straight. Whatever it. Either way, it'll just be like, oh, I've got this great hand and I'm playing everybody really well and like I'm I'm running the table and then somebody will just take a big old shit on you and the the only the only thing to do then is to shoot them in the head and try to take the money back, but they never have the money they on them. They never have the money on them. Yeah. You maybe get a ring or like a belt buckle. That's it. Yeah. Because yeah. they don't even have their money on them. And to do that you have to stay along like stay around long enough to get caught having murdered them yeah to loot their body and of course everybody's all pissed off about it and you can't explain to them you should have seen the hand he just played <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous uh, yeah so i guess we'll start start there also hi welcome to phantom nonsense we're us you're you and thank you for being you and listening to the show obviously we're uh talking about some more Red Dead, um, and we're going to be talking about the Mickey's Christmas Carol here in a little bit. 
um, Goose Watch for the first time. I completely forgot we were covering that, and I'm really excited. Um, but yeah, I guess since we're already here, um, we'll go and keep on this on this track. So yeah, I get into some trouble, and uh, and I just didn't want the the mess. You can't fucking. <laughs> I mean, you can't win really any anywhere, but you can hold them off long enough to 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 get away between waves in like uh, in Valentine or whatever. But if the police are after you in Saint Denis and you're in the middle of town, yeah, and you can't get like out of town because there's really only one way out because you're surrounded by water on most. Yeah, on a, you're pretty much in a peninsula, so. Like, um, so there's the two roads out of it, but right. they're like, yeah, but yeah, both in the same general, uh, general area, north and uh, northwest, and west, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just said fuck it and surrendered, and uh, and Hosea busted me out, which is again another reason to surrender sometimes, um, like we talked about, um. I know Dutch breaks you out sometimes in Valentine, or is it Rhodes? I think it's Valentine. And um, I forget who gets you if you get busted in Rhodes. Um, Michael will, will break you out of Strawberry. Uh, and then Jose will break you out of San Denis. And then it's one of those things that one of those subtle things like the stranger missions there's a or not the stranger missions the um the camp missions like the harmonica for uh for Sadie yeah. or the pipe for Dutch or whatever at some point you can't retrieve those anymore because the camaraderie of the group has broken down so much and like at some point no matter how many times you go to jail you just stay there overnight and you just walk no one comes to get you out of jail anymore and it's one of those subtle little things about the progression of the game i don't see get talked about a lot but i really really um love uh and i also really really love um this which i did uh, i went ahead and did, uh, did the date with mary first i don't know what order you did your uh your missions in I don't remember what order. I honestly just went with um, the way that you texted it, I'm pretty sure. Word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um. I was going to do Mary's first, but you didn't send that in the original text? No. Yes, you did. I yeah. did that last. I didn't last. send the uh, American Fathers one. Yeah. Um. But... Yeah, God, Arthur is such a simp. I just have so many issues with what is said to Arthur in that mission. It's hard to contextualize what uh, what level of like simping he's actually experiencing because right. in back in that day, it was like chivalry was still somewhat of a maintained concept, and like just the fact of like a woman asking you to do something, especially if you had had you know biblical knowledge of her you know what i mean like it's just there's a lot more uh societal pressure to be 
just a workhorse for the women in your life. But do you feel like Arthur is feeling that yeah. societal? Really? I do. I think because of his uh uh because of his uh his parents seeing like their failures and uh all that shit. I think that uh he maybe is trying to correct that or also just like the upbringing from from Dutch and Hosea may have instilled a little bit of that maybe seeing Hosea's relationship with with uh Bessie, Bessie yeah. yeah would have uh would have instilled a little bit of that in him but i also think he he, he can't really have a critique of John's uh treatment of Abigail and Jack unless he himself feels some greater level of obligation to the romantic entanglements in his life. I also don't think that there's as much uh, vocabulary for understanding like they didn't have the word simp or (laughs) the the concept of like someone who is, I mean I'm sure that like it's it's clear and it's like as old as time a man who is so willing to uh, you know usurp his own needs with the needs of his his partner i'm sure that's just like a timeless concept but uh for arthur i think it's it's also tied into the fact that like she represents the 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 world uh the and like the parallel life that he could be having outside of the vanderlyn gang and so it's a lot easier for me to understand him doing all this dumb shit for her well and also like I guess that's revealed much later in the game, but his past with his own family, like the... Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The kid. Yeah. Now, do you think that with regarding John and Abigail and Jack, you think that's um, regarding John as a partner to Abigail or John as a father to Jack and and Abigail as Jack's mother you know what i mean because he doesn't have the same like um criticism of say how dutch treats molly which is actually a lot worse worse than jack ever really treats abigail he smashed the fuck out of her i think that the yeah the the fact that they have a child abigail and and john which he is a lot more uh, significant he and mary specifically do not do not have at this point so i do think that there's a layer with Dutch of him like not having any kind of critique of, of his romantic entanglements is basically it's a hierarchy thing. Right. Like he wouldn't feel as comfortable talking about that, uh, you know, with his, you know, surrogate father as much right. as he would with his surrogate brother. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I also think that, um, uh, it's, it's also about a degree of the commitment that's been stated you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. that like his connection with Mary is more so about m- more than like even the time they spent together is just like how he understands who she is to him. Right. You know, it's more it feels more conceptual because it has to be because of the distance between them. Yeah. Uh, I think since you the relationship with like Abigail and. I think it's based on his love for Jack. Oh, for Honestly, sure. Honestly, yeah. like, yeah, because he would totally like beat the fuck out of John, even though he's surrogate brother, 
until he starts showing, like, he's still spicy towards him until he starts showing his love for Jack and wanting to get Jack back. Right. It was after that the big yeah. thing that there that was a turn, a very clear show. turn in the relationship. Yeah. He's, okay. you know, like, the, like, the oil wagon mission, he's a little bit ev- evasive and, um, you know, and k- kind of cynical about it. But he does acknowledge that, you know, Jack actually, or John actually came up with a good plan. Like, you see him soften up through chapters two and three to John yeah. from where he was at the beginning of the game. But it is very kind of sudden there. Uh, and that's what happens in a, you know, in a tense situation like like that. It's a, you know, it's, it, it's a bonding agent and there's that um, extra cut scene uh if you run out of time because the oil wagon is a timed mission which mm-hmm. i didn't realize right there's an extra cut scene where john talks to arthur and makes a joke about arthur forgetting to do it so he had to actually go do it yeah and it, w- it was really good for the relationship you can kind of see arthur makes a comment that um towards john's joke and instead of being like an asshole he just genuinely was like okay yeah that's smart right you got me um just acceptance. But, you know, back to uh, back to the m- mission with Mary and the, you know, like the the conversation and everything they get into at the beginning. Um, when Arthur gets defensive at one point, he kind of presents really the question that I feel like when you get down to it, that we're kind of exploring and trying to peel back um with this analysis of the game on the pod, um, which is, you know, Arthur asks, what choice did he, did he have? And, you know, you know, what choice did he really have? Uh, is he in his situation because of his quote unquote code or is the code itself, uh, a justifying ideology to uh for for him to absolve himself of the things that he has to absolve himself of um I think that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that anyone who says that they live by a code or that they are somehow separate from the 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 mechanisms that are making their decisions is is um uh, is lying to themselves on some level. Yeah. Because there's no there's no there's no literal binding keeping Arthur inside of the gang. Right. It is entirely his emotional state. It's a, it's it's all none of it's none of it's material. It's all it's all just the the perception of who his like life has has bound him towards and it's not it's like he wouldn't die if he just like left the Evangeline gang. I mean, he might get caught up by by Pinkertons, but I think he'd actually be less likely to if he was alone because they'd be looking for, you know, the Vanderland gang. And he could and they yeah. do want Dutch specifically more than right. anyone. Yeah. yeah. But we all have to like lie to ourselves to justify the actions that we live, especially if it's a pattern of behavior. Yeah. Right. But I, I think that in in the other on the other hand, like 
sure, you're not literally bound by these things that you consider to be your code or your 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 way of life. They aren't making your decisions for you. But as you act on them, as you like ratify them by your deeds, mm-hmm. and then they become like a a frame for what you experience. And it's it's hard to see how someone could pass like a like just completely abandon that. Right. It's 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 like a um it's like, you know, you're you're basically designing yourself to to follow this path. Like you're you're making yourself into a vehicle that can that can run on this this the, these laps and you're trying to to perfect that as as you live your life and go through the cycles of your own being and it's like a challenge and it seems like an impossibility to just completely like w- like say you had to then go into the air how would right. you do that with the 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 vehicle you've constructed and the path that has been made for it you know it's 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 it seems like an impossibility but it's just because we have to like unmake the things that we you know have designed for ourselves well and i think for for Arthur, like, if you strip away the myth uh, of the code and the gang and all of that, and, you know, and he does walk away, well, then he's still a um, pretty much middle-aged man with no skills and no land. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, he he's probably not going to be a, a priority target for the Pinkertons anymore. Um and you know, uh John was basically in the same situation after, you know, in the time between the end of the game and the epilogue. Uh and he he managed to get, get by, but you know, there's no guarantee Especially at this point, um, where you know Arthur already has a death sentence, uh, unbeknownst to him, um, but there's no guarantee that it would really go much better for him if he if he walked away because there's not another ideology or code or um, yeah. paradigm that he can step into. And and ex- and exist and give his life yeah. meaning because really nobody the hardest thing to do is to move away from like an established faith or mythology or even just like the code of the gang and right. into a, a a void. Especially and if that's what you feel like you were born into. Yeah, since yeah. he was taken in at a young age. And I don't think anybody outside of maybe you know the most affluent. Um, is would be in the situation, material situation that they are in, if they had full control over their lives. You know, and that's from the poorest to the to the upper middle class. Everybody, you know, is missing or needing something that they can't have because of because of their class position. And their and their relationship um, to the means of production and to society and everything. So that tells me that really, 
nobody is noble because no one is acting as an actual free agent to have nobility. Yeah. And so, you know, it's all, it all comes down to the, the ideologies and things you, that we use to justify, you know, yeah. like why, uh, why we're better off or worse off or whatever than somebody else. Why we're, why it can't be a limitation of our, Right of our of our godhood that we can't achieve the things we want. It has to be put off onto somebody else because we can't limit our individuality. But we have to r- live in a world where individuality has its hard limits of what it can actually achieve. Yeah, and it sucks too that like the 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 prize for like a comfortable middle class existence with all the sacrifices that you that you make for that, all of your time and like your you know spirit <laughs> you're fucking like the exigence of your soul that right. you're, you're right. like giving away for like you know boat shoes and <laughs> fucking golf and you know what i mean right just like it's so i would i would feel cheated and it, it sucks too because you can't even like acknowledge that because then it, then it takes away the prize from you right. you can't live in the in the world where those things are worthwhile if you do anything to examine it so it's you know one of those like redundancies inside of of the capitalist uh system that sort of just maintains this the status quo as long as you can maintain a middle class that is like fucking you know without you know mulching everybody which you know we got a few more years of that probably (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know just bring back the guillotines Okay, I, I think we're. We w- I mean, we'd have to fight the police. Yeah, the I thing. wasn't being like fully dead ass with that. I mean, it <laughs> 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 was like I don't know what else to say. <laughs> that sucks. I mean, <laughs> it's, it it is the same issue because in being a p- a police person. You know, they complain about their pay or whatever, but, like, you know, they're fucking, they're they're getting that same sort of reward from their, like, violent, uh, you know, crusade against poverty and uh, having any kind of ethnicity other than being a white person, a wasp specifically. So, <laughs> I wonder if fucking, pol- like, police bring in the like the charts that show productivity and like the like uh like the decline of wages over the past like 40 years and like you know relate it to their increase in productivity or at least um filmed and visible productivity um over the past few decades like look look how many like and I'm not just punching these numbers. You can see it on video. Look how many black people we've killed, and our wages just keep going yeah. down and down and <laughs> yeah. down. Comparable to inflation. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Pretty soon, I'm going to stop murdering brown people if it means I'm not going to get any increase in pay. <laughs> like that's, that's how the police union <laughs> right. gets like radicalized is through yeah. like <laughs> their fucking... Just the lack uh, of pay, yeah. Oh. Uh, automation's coming for you too, baby. Yeah, Jesus. Remember when they just walked off the job? 
Uh, yeah, because they had to get master vaccinated or whatever yeah. the fuck ever. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we're just not going to respond. I think, like, crime in the city was actually down for that week, oh statistically. Yeah, sure. It's like when a shitty family member tries to, like, punish you by getting out of your life. Right. You know? <laughs> you played yourself. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, you're going to ignore me? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> whatever will I do? What am I going to do without somebody yelling at me at Christmas about how long my hair is? So, on that um, vibe and tone, uh, Mary makes the accusation that sarcasm is beneath Arthur. And yeah. is it... Is it really? No. It, it's beneath him in the sense that it's the foundation of his very being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's it's the solid ground that he stands on <laughs> at all it's times. It's the one thing he knows beyond the code. Okay, so, like... <laughs> yeah. <and then> th- <laughs> but it kind of points to, like, uh, um, a little, like, thought I had about Mary in, in doing this, which is m- Mary judges an idealized... Arthur, yeah, against the her, against her contempt for the for the choices that he that he makes, you yeah. know, yeah. like, and we'll get into this when we get to like, uh, to to like they're bantering and bickering, going to the theater and leaving the theater and everything. You can see, uh, you can see their connection, and honestly, other than Hosea. I don't think anybody else in the game is able to match wits with Arthur as well as Mary does in that scene. Yeah. You know, um, they have, they, you can see they have a really good relationship, but the limit of how much Mary is able to actually love Arthur is kind of shown there that she's not really looking at Arthur as he is as a person. You know, she has this ideal version of of him yeah you know this 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 perfect gentleman with a with a heart of gold and um and he is all he is all those things but it's it's authentic because it was actually fashioned from his unique experience of you know of growing up in the in the woods with two gentlemen as his as his father figures um, and so it's not an artifice constructed by and for society, but it's actually like who Arthur is, you know, yeah. is actually this this kind and and gentle soul that Mary loves. But because it's not trapped in the in the artifice and all the things that she is brought up to see as gentlemanly. Yeah, you can see. I think that's why they connect the the struggle with her father to this overall story yeah because if anybody is responsible for placing that idea in her mind even by like his own antithesis and i think actually he does like her dad probably talked a good game about this when whenever whenever she was being raised up that like you need to like have the uh the the relatability and the uh, support of like the the 
the culture at large to actually be a gentleman and actually have all the things that a man is supposed to have in this world. Right. And that if you are unwilling to abide by those systems, then you also are not afforded a happy home life. Right. You know? And it on some level, it makes sense because for what she would value would be like, you know, a, a, a safe and secure home life that she feels she is not able to, you know, manifest with her own will and power mm-hmm. because that's not her place in the world in, in, in her perspective. Right. Um, so for her, for her, all of that is put onto this idealized man that she, she is projecting onto Arthur and because he can't provide that, all of the things that he are is that are positive are just, you know, sad, uh, ironic uh, shades of what could have been. Mm-hmm. And you know she's not going to be happy with whoever she ends up with because right. she's always going to be comparing them to, again, either the real or idealized version of Arthur in her right. past, which how the fuck do you improve on that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I imagine Arthur is a very... Uh, powerful and gentle lover (laughs) 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 and so i just i don't don't know how you how you come come away from that you know Uh. (laughs) 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 so i was gonna say something and that hit me just way too hard (laughs) yeah it's the same thing happened to mary (laughs) uh yeah that I bet, like, she takes care of her dad now, now, so I bet her dad even wanted her to just, like, marry into some kind of money. Oh, for sure. Um, but, you know, she has that moment where she's like, I should have ran away with you years ago. But you wouldn't. No, I didn't. But, and I was just like, come on, bitch. Like, yeah. shut the fuck up. We know you're not going anywhere. Yeah, you already played your hand. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, chase down, her, chase down her dad, who, of course, is a perfect asshole. Um, and, you know, what happens to, to a man uh, pretending to be a, a gentleman for however many years? You yeah. know, like... Um, just completely at the end of his end of his rope and far in debt from maintaining a level of affluence that he can't he can't maintain you know he's he's meeting uh he's selling fucking a family heirloom yeah. in an alley and he's wearing he's wearing a top hat you know what i mean like yeah. he is like he is clearly like trying to to maintain uh his status or or uh, illusion of status. I think like that's that's got to be what it is for the majority of people who signify those things. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a costume you put on so that you can maybe trick people into thinking that you were owed that level of of uh, like economic supremacy. Right. Yeah. You know, because there's n- there's not enough fucking surpa- surplus uh, labor value. To go to go to more than just the people who are just dead set on fucking stealing it, so like for the people that think that you can act as like a legitimate gentleman, somebody who is like polite and you know cares about other people and is is gentle in the sense that they are like uh, fucking 
in, in the literal sense, not in the like performative uh, aspect. Like for someone like that, there's there's no there's no there's no avenue for you to you have to be a barbarian yeah. if you want to actually take the things that would make you a gentleman. Right. You know. So it's. What were we gonna say, Goose? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> we went on a different train. Yeah. I've always, um, during the chase sequence, I've always loved the heartbeat. That was like one, one of those nice little. Um, I assume it does it on the, on the console version when you're chasing your dad down. He goes around the corner and Mary. Mary pins Arthur to the wall and the controller fucking yeah, it buzzes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about a noise, and I was like, I don't remember a noise. No. But yeah, no, the controller vibrates. Yeah. Yeah. One of those, like... Because it'd be really hard to do that with sound design. And ha- it have the same, like, visceral feeling that it does holding in your hand so... Like <laughs> it tricks you into feeling like it's your heartbeat for a m- for a minute, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so it's one of those things that, like, storytelling wise, you could really only do in a in a video game. Um, which oh, well, I mean, maybe those like 4D theaters where they had like the vibrating seats and yeah. uh, the fucking those are so good. It missed you and stuff, and but yeah, <laughs> yeah. They only do like horror stuff in there. They don't do love stuff in 4D theaters. Yeah, in a, in a practical sense, that's the, you can only do that on video games, can't you? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's those theaters. Yeah. So they seem to cost more money than they made, right? Because probably they're not around anymore, are they? They are, but they're only in specific theme parks. Mm, okay. So there's yeah. A f- yeah, there's a fairly big one at uh, Stone Mountain. So that if they've already overcharged you, they can still afford to do it. Yes. Right on. Plus, like, it's an extra, it's one of those where it's an extra fee. It's, like, seven bucks, but that stacks up when you have, like, multiple people there on top of the ticket that you already yep. paid for. I don't know. It'd be really nice to see Arthur happy. Yeah. Uh, There should be a, uh, <laughs> what if there's, like, an alternate timeline story of the Red Dead Redemption series. What would we call it? Uh, I don't know. Um, If everything was the same like up until this point and he does run off with Mary, when he finds out, because he would eventually find out, I'm sure at some point, that he has TB, that would be a very heartbreaking conversation. Well, See, I guess the real question is, when is it activated? Because it gets really, like, really bad after Guarma. But he starts, he's already coughing at this point. Um, and he did just get the shit knocked out of his, out of his lungs yeah. a few weeks ago. So I, f- I feel like it's probably active, but in the right conditions, you can live with it for a while. Not well, but... Back then, it was definitely half of what it even is now. 
because there's there was no medicine that you could do for it. Right. Especially yeah. when it got well, to I'm the I'm point where you have to go to the doctor. I'm referring to to back then. Um, there were places where you could go and get like heliotherapy, but with the yeah, with the poor understanding of what was actually happening. Right. It'd usually be in a place where like there was a, there's a Waverly place. It was like a tuberculosis hospital. Mm-hmm. That's in Kentucky and uh it's so fucking humid there that like even though you're getting like the the like open air like vitamin D from the sun and all that stuff and like that was keeping people alive somewhat. Right. The fact that they're having to compete with really fucking like wet ass air all the time it just didn't work out. And for Arthur he's like in the fucking swamp. Yeah. And he's like getting beaten and having to like chase down uh fucking uh children thieves and (laughs) all this shit. (sighs) <sighs> but, you know, removed from that, Arthur wouldn't have long. You yeah. Know, like he wouldn't, he would never be an old, an old man. In yeah. 2014, the median age of death for TB patients was uh, 74. And once it's activated, the medium survival rate, like lengthwise, is 20 days. Damn. See, that's why I said it's not, even today, it's not that long of a time. Yeah. Once it's. Yeah. So even now that he's coughing, his clock's already, like, ticking further, faster. Humans are incredibly resilient. I think that, like, uh, it comes down to psychology a lot of the time. Like, Arthur is the precisely the kind of person I think that would be able to survive with like activated TB for an extended period of time mm-hmm. because you know he's got all of this like um all of this um this like maze of of obligation and uh uh belief that's that's keeping him going you know I don't think he would have been able to die at the hands of uh Spoilers, but Micah, at the end, if he hadn't felt like John had escaped, you know, like it seems like he kind of is able to release his breath. I mean, we'll get to that when when the time comes, but you you get what I'm saying. Like there are people who can walk around like having a heart attack for like over a day and just think that they're having some other kind of like. Right. Like flu or something like that. Well, like. Dr. John Henry Holiday, who this aspect of Arthur is clearly based yeah, on, yeah. Um, had it for 14 years before he he died from it, yeah. and had multiple like life-threatening episodes and every and everything. From he it. also had like, if I remember Tombstone correctly, stuff to treat it in some aspect, or well, he did something. He was a doctor. So. Yeah, he was a doctor. <laughs> he had yeah, like doctor. He had a major. Yeah. Uh, uh, liquor problem, and right. then later on in his life had a major laudanum, which, um, if you yeah. don't know, is liquor and opium right. mixed together. Just your classic, um, you know, uh, you do, know that do, do cocaine <laughs> and 
and conjure ghosts it. about it. Yeah. Fucking medicine yeah. shit. Yeah, have some issues, just inject cocaine. Yeah. Also, um, being a doctor back then just meant that you had like seen a hospital <laughs> once. Yeah. Like, right. You know, like but opium opioids definitely you can tell that helped like in some TB cases because that's what they do today. They just fucking load you up on opioids. Right. But they do that for everything today. But yeah, do they do it because it because it helps or because like helps in an actual like productive proactive way no. or because it just it will knock the pain out of anything because you're fucking high on opium yeah that last also one, uh, mostly because it's the pain that deteriorates your body even more you're able with the opium to kind of ignore it more so so you can like just keep on without having to worry about your body sending you these signals that make it worse right here, take this Oxycontin. Is this going to help? It's sure going to help me sell this Oxycontin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. <sighs> so, yeah, let's, uh, let's so we go to the theater. And it's one of my... Uh, I love the theater. So my, this is the only part of Sandini that makes Sandini worth, worth being there, there for me. Can you talk shit during the day? Like at the at the performers, yeah, hell yeah. Like <laughs> any, anytime you go, you can fucking cheer or uh, antagonize or whatever um, the performers. Yeah, they don't. Man, they just. And I'm I'm stuck in two worlds, obviously, as an artist and entertainer and performer and all these things, but also as. Uh, as an audience member, you know, and um, as a performee, you know, and an entertainee and all those, yeah, <laughs> all those kinds of things, because like part of me is is like, you know, art is art, and it should be it should be elevated and treated with a certain level of of a of a plum and um and virtue in society but then also part of me is like no like the democratization of art is is good and all of that but i don't know just and it's not even a thing of like my lifetime cuz i can just look back over the course of the 20th century and see just like the soul slowly being ripped out of all of all art, where I look at like this pastiche um, and this 21st century like mock-up of you know of an old vaudeville show, and I don't know, my soul kind of like longs for it in a weird, weird way. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it it, fe it feels holistic. It feels like yeah, those are people who I don't know. It feels like the more paths you have, as it becomes commoditized, the less likely it becomes an authentic expression of some artistic intent. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, a modern musician is basically like either deciding to do their own thing completely, and you just never hear about them because right. how would you? Or they have to latch on to another like genre, and just use that to like how wh whatever ability they they have to express themselves individually through that medium of like a uh, past uh, genre, then like. That's that's the that's the only avenue into being heard now or being seen as legitimate, right? Because if you like the th stuff that is like truly experimental is completely 
fucking like uh it's it's not um what do you call it? it's not palatable it's not uh it's not easy to parse it's not uh any of that stuff it's not like uh marketable yeah and that's really what it comes down to is that like the concept of marketability in inherently is destructive to the 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 muse like the the concept mm-hmm. of having like a, a personal inspiration that you want to give to someone like could you imagine i mean I c- i'm sure you could but because i could imagine it would be dope as hell but the reality of like say a be good show with with like a trying to think is like like a fire troop and uh, yeah and like um uh and like uh fucking like a lo-fi dj or something like that like yeah i can imagine it it'd be dope as hell but it ever happening n- no because it's really not about your unique expression it's about the demographics that you can market to and and sell to and there's this you know weird um like myth or whatever or um or or misconception or or whatever in the in the music scene that even though all these kids are like you know 14 to 17 year old fucking white boys and white girls are all listening to the same fucking music as the as the black and brown kids and they're you know they're all fucking listening to the same thing no this won't uh, you can't put these things together because these people won't like this so they'll so they'll leave or they won't stick around for this band or whatever yeah, yeah. you know like yeah, it's all it's all about how you can commodify it instead yeah. of like I don't know, just art and expression and and performance as I don't know, as as a secular replacement for and not necessarily wholly secular uh or wholly non-religious, but uh, replacement f- for the rituals and um, it feels like the closest we- thing to church you can get to. Exactly, yeah. like that's yeah, exactly what I'm what I'm getting at is is I think good good art and experiencing good art, especially that's one thing we definitely don't have anymore is uh, outside of like music and theater uh which are their own you know unique expressions and everything but we don't have things like like vaudeville or performance art in mass um live settings anymore and so that communal thing of experiencing art in the same way that you experience religion because like rock music especially is like it's very Pentecostal, you know. It's very like in the spirit of the moment, yeah. very much a vibe. 
um, very different from, say, like, Mass or, you know, or, uh, like, Methodist or Presbyterian yeah. or, or a more, like... Or it's reverent and it's, yeah. like, yeah. Instead of being consumed by the Spirit, you're trying to, like, observe it. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. And I think that rock music has that same kind of flow state as a very, like, lively... Uh, charismatic. Yeah. Yeah. A very lively sermon. I kind of I felt that way at um, uh, the Mountain Goats when we went to see them uh, this la- this last time. Um, it it was, you know, it felt it felt like a sermon. It felt like mm-hmm. how I felt as a child whenever I was actually inspired by the like institution of Christianity. Right. In which you know now all of the inspiration from Christianity that I feel comes from things that are entirely separate from the institutional right. aspects of them. Because I feel like, you know, we, we, I mean, that's a whole thing. But, like, I, I want to uh, remind me before you leave, I want to run something by you on that note. But um, but back to back to this whole whole thing. The um, what, what the fuck is the fucking master of ceremonies aldridge t oh yeah fuck the guy who's played by fred armison yeah yeah he is um god i love i love him i got a couple of his fucking uh, that's fun fucking quotes um at the beginning of the night he he says that uh Entertainment is a gift that will see you through the winter better than any wine cellar of canned goods. <laughs> um, which, you know, is a little bit of of backwards projection, but you know, even even then, we're starting to see like that whole thing creeping into to America of well no we can't actually like give you real labor democracy or like actual egalitarianism but we can you know give you these sub give you these suburbs and you know and you can at this point you can have uh have a couple acres you know, it might be enough to sustain your family on, you know. You're not going to have a surplus. Good luck getting through the winter, but... So you'll probably have to get a job. But, hey, there's, like, shops and stuff in town. You know, there's ways to distract you from y- yeah. from your misery. <laughs> um, and sure, I, you can't I, afford health insurance, but there's a new Spider-Man movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, which I've got, I think, for, like, the 430... Or four fifty, whatever it is. I've got me and Aaron tickets. We're at the back. If you guys are free and tickets are still available, go. What day is that? Uh, the sixteenth, whatever day that is. That is a what day is today? Thursday. Today's the oh yeah, if it's Thursday, I can go for sure. Um, I'll look and see. What is it? I can't see it. Oh. Uh. Damn. Yeah, I have to have like a month's notice to get anything off. Heard. Um. And I kind of want, <laughs> I kind of want to steal this. Um. 
for like the goodbye speech at a Fox's show for something. What he says at the at the end of the night. And we flounder through the morass of humanity with only bright moments like these before <laughs> it all goes dim and snuffs out in silence. So thank you. What a lovely evening. Come back tomorrow. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much fun. The theater is is so much fun. Yeah. I love that performance where you get to shoot the guy. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think to like shoot him anywhere other than <laughs> where he's asking you to shoot him. I I'm always just trying to kill him. Yeah. Like, Can you kill him? I haven't yet. Damn. Which I don't I've only done cuz that's the um uh, fucking circus sideshow mission. Yeah. 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 So I've only done that a few times. So maybe you can, but I always try to aim right at his fucking heart. Um, but no, he's always just like, I told you to shoot me in the head, you asshole, blah, 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 blah. How does he do it? Does he actually do it? He must actually do it inside the canon of the game. Because if you fire, I mean, you're f- shooting at his face. like Right. You didn't load your gun with, with blanks or anything like that, so it's got to be a fucking real bullet. Like, how the fuck? People can't actually do that shit. Right? Yeah. No. No, they can't. The whole, the whole, the whole trick is that you already have a bullet in your mouth and right. turn your head in a certain way, and it makes it look like, you know. Yeah. So like, how? So, uh, hinge point. No TB. Uh, and say Arthur gets John and uh, Abigail and Jack out and everything. Does he go back? Does he go back for Mary? Do you think that, like, or do you think that Arthur, until death forced him to, or the reality of death forced him to, would have continued to find another reason to justify staying with, with the gang? I feel like at this point, or at least like how he's feeling emotionally, once he gets them out, he would go back if she would let him. I don't know. Maybe. I I feel like he would uh He would go back but maybe oh he would not do it last minute. I almost feel like he would be lost from either, you know? Yeah. If if Mary would have him, I think that's probably most likely where he would return. But I don't know. If she rejected him, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know if he would even push the issue. Because it seems like he's pretty well resigned, even though it hurts him to not have her in his life. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I think sometimes, like, you get to a point with a... a, uh, like a, a past relationship where the feeling of missing what it was is more significant even than how you felt when it was happening. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, and I think that for Arthur, a lot of like how he feels connected to people, like his his you know his father and his uh, his mom and his and and Mary is through like how he constructs his memories of them and like. The, the little trinkets that he keeps to remind himself of of specific things that happened between them. You know? 
I don't know. I think I think Mary is more valuable to Arthur when they're apart. Just as a memory? Just just as like something that you know, explains his past to you know, cuz we we all tell ourselves stories to construct our 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 lives and give us sort of a uh a perspective and and you know, tell us how to be and what what is important. So for for Arthur to have his story be about the things that uh, on some level be about the things that he's lost which you know includes Mary I think it's significant I think it's probably how he would want it to be I don't know that's it's hard to say yeah. um yeah yeah we Agreed. it is if we could once upon a time it, I do think they would be happy together. You know, but yeah. They would become the fucking um oh oh shit. Uh the the neighbors from the Jeffersons, what Archie Bunker and oh. his wife. What yeah. Are, what are they called? What um was, what was that show called? What? <laughs> that show, what was it called? It doesn't really I matter. I don't remember. I didn't watch that much Naked Night. But yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel like they would they would eventually become those two motherfuckers. Um, just less racist. Uh, <coughs> so, and I always this is kind of the point that I tend to make a. Um, proactive ch- like change in in Arthur. So this is the f- the time that I kind of just walk and meet um Brother Dorkins. Yeah. For the first time. I love Brother Dorkins. Yeah. Uh, he gets overshadowed by uh Sister Cauldron when she comes in, but I don't know, the um uh, w- whenever um Whenever Arthur, uh, or he, whatever Arthur says, and he says, uh, and he calls Arthur a mag- a magnificent bit of work with absolute sincerity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know. Just. It seems like he's a he's in the shit too. Like he is. Yeah. He's very committed to like. Going out and doing the work of being what he sees as a uh, godly person. He's he's seen any kind of like of wickedness and sinfulness and evil that someone like Arthur could possibly bestow in yeah. his just time and what he does, and has has had to learn to forgive it and put it aside. So whatever Arthur is, you know, can't be any worse than the than the the vileness of of a city in the industrial age. Yeah. You know, like um, uh what what is it? Uh a man's heart is wicked from his youth. Is that the phrase? Yeah. But yeah. Uh I mean, 
if you're if you're going to seriously commit yourself to to being someone that that is is of the faith and can be looked to as an authority on anything involving like faith then you pretty much have to put yourself in a position to forgive anything right which is what we're 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 supposed to believe is the uh the presence of of the christian god is like in eternal mercy right like if you can't if you can't express that through what you are like able to perceive as as the sin that uh that is corrupting the world then like you have no right to be looked to for any kind of spiritual advice which is kind of like what we're seeing now all of the most like affluent and prevalent uh preachers in the world are ones who are just ready to condemn you know anyone who they see as being oppositional to the faith which is you know completely antithetical to the underpinnings of the faith in general but whatever <laughs> the fucking you know it's a it's Joel Osteen it's a fucking uh, all those motherfuckers yeah. it's uh this the con- conceptualizing the the act of being uh faithful and uh and uh being an authority in in the faith, uh, as as how well you can exclude like what actions and uh, personhood you can condemn, as opposed to what you're willing to forgive. Yeah. So yeah, Dorkins is a great example of someone who is truly expressing the spirit of of the faith. Indeed. Um, and um, America is designed to induce apathy in people, and that's you know just such such a great insight because as we kind of we'll jump ahead to the meeting with Rain's fall. There's so many things that I I noticed, and I should have uh, played it again and taken more taken more notes because there's so many like little subtle things, both in like historically and like setting up the rest of the game that happen in that scene. But one thing it made me think about is, um, you know, th- we talked bef- at the at the top of the hour about um, you know the like the absolution of violence and and all of that and you know and the for the for the Vandalin gang and their code their their nobility and you know and self-righteousness and all that is in is in their willingness to confront and act on the uh violence directly but all of us on this ground carry the the stain and the weight of the indirect violence of you know of the genocide of the of the native americans yeah so we all have a m- measure of apathy induced in us from birth 
and you know and uh and socially and culturally and psychologically to avert that almost unique uh historical crime like australia um but australia is obviously nowhere near as as big but you know like the um, rome tried to do it yeah rome tried to do it but they couldn't because of the material limitations they couldn't do it on the scale and so just ended up enslaving the the popu instead of wiping them out ended up enslaving yeah. the populations because they couldn't replace them yeah and um, when Julius Caesar tried to invade Gaul, he just got fucking bodied. Right. But it, yeah, that's it. Would have been the same story, I think, if if they if they had accomplished it, because you know it's a, the invasion of what they perceived to be in uh, like a technologically and culturally uh, primitive society. Right. That you know. <sighs> It just wasn't true, you know? Like Yeah. It's it's so clear like from perspective that there's a lot of like propagandizing done about like what it meant to be a Native American. Did you see that fucking really gross uh video that uh the Daily Wire put up about the uh no. Okay. So they did this like little cartoon thing and it was basically saying that like uh, it was comparing the contributions to the world's technology of the like native uh, American people and of the Europeans that came to uh, 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 you know be here, and basically it attributed like the only thing it really attributed to uh, Native Americans was cannibalism and tomahawk. <laughs> oh my God, and it's like it was bad. It was big yikes. It's just. It's like, oh yeah, can you imagine uh, a, a like uh, a vast country of people where they're occasionally at war with one another and enslaving each other? It's just the same exact story of what's happening in Europe. It's right. just that when they were doing it in Europe, they had mustaches. It's like <laughs> right. fucking mustaches and pantaloons do not make you the fucking superior race. It's it's just that. It's also the just how they can constructed the idea of like what makes a civilized culture, and that like it needs to have certain signifiers that they myopically assume only exist in the European context because it's the only way that they can see them. But there were like vast amounts of technology and, uh, especially if we understand it as being not just objects but as anything that improves the human experience. Right then. The Native Americans obviously had vast amounts of technology. They also had the literal, like, uh, object technology as well. But, like, you know, their their cultures fucking existed for thousands of years and had traditions that spanned, you know, that, that long. And fucking it's just not valid to think about them as anything other than completely legitimate. And if they were warlike... They're warlike for the same reasons that any other culture has ever been warlike, as a like a competition over uh, like material uh, reward, and Europe is just as much to blame for that, and did it internally within cultures with like among people, and you know like it's just if I, it's so fucking stupid to think of like any any specific group of people, any civilization as being uh, like godless or or uh, heathen or 
or primitive or primal just because you can't contextualize what their culture is actually expressing. Right. And to think that animism is in some way like primitive also. It's just like that why wouldn't you worship like a buffalo if if it was the exact source of like all of your Well, I think that like also to be careful not to project Western ideas of what worship and veneration yeah, it, are. Yeah, exactly. Because like it doesn't for 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 a, a Eurocentric mind, you'd think of worship as like otherness, as like uh, like putting uh, like a series of concepts onto a pedestal and then right. attributing them to some like higher god. But in it's a it's a much more practical thing, I think, to worship in the action of of uh, maintaining and having respect for a uh, an animal population that lives near you because it's symbiotic. Exactly. Yeah. Like I it's it's like in India I understand why you would worship a cow because it's doing everything that it like it can or it like it is in such a natural position to be like uh the 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 fuel for your your own existence. Yeah. That I I can completely understand why you you would you would have this this connection to like deification with with that entity because it's it's you know it's basically it's it's the it's the concept of sacrifice it's why we well, well I mean f- fucking hell is it is it not the exact same thing that fucking liberals and and capitalists have done with the market f- from yeah, from, from time time memorial, it is the thing that gives them sustenance, and you know, and provides yeah all the material provides all the material needs, and so they venerate it yeah. and and idolize it, and it's not even a fucking animal that right. has a life that you can like, you know, but that you. They that also do the shuffle too of saying that instead of it being the th- the the thing that they worship, it is that their god the whatever they imagine the uh fucking uh the like the protestant god right. is i guess a giant cash register <laughs> <laughs> is is allowing them to is is saying that this is how this is how my gifts to you are being bestowed upon oh them. oh like, sure it's what they it's what they say yeah but in the actual like yeah practically they are fucking worshiping the market right, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, fucking a thousand years from now, fucking hard drives are all fucking crashed. There's really no, um, like, paper record. There's just, like, the archaeological, anthropological record. Yeah, it's gonna look, it's gonna look like Wall Street was, like, the, was the biggest church in, in America. You know what I mean? Like, they're, like, I think that, all that is just like justifying it to ourselves because it is fucking ridiculous when you realize that we uh we venerate and build our society around this human construct like i said it's not even a fucking animal yeah. or like a tree or something that actually has like a life that has to be maintained and so the veneration of it has a value to maintaining its place yeah. in society. It's just if we stop believing in it, then we'll realize that it's 
fake and it's making our life worse. Yeah. And it'll disappear. Right. Fucking if you if you stop believing in the value of like uh, a tree population or of of uh, you know whatever species you're 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 maintaining the the population of so that you can hunt them or get their milk or whatever, then uh, you'll notice really quick when they start to die out. Right. Because it matters. Like yeah. it has it has literal material value, and uh, you know, but instead we're it's it's like market force is the holy spirit yeah you know? for sure 100 percent. there's there's a really great uh scene in uh uh a bit of fry and laurie where a uh a father is complaining to a headmaster of a school about how he's taught his son uh uh fucking uh about about sex and so therefore he wants to get a replacement for his son because mm-hmm. it's been spoiled <laughs> and uh, he's he's like, uh, you know, you ought to be uh, teaching him real things like uh, market forces. And he's just, and then the headmaster's like, oh, you still believe in market forces? <laughs> no, uh, well, I mean, my parents told me that market forces were real, but eventually, as I got older, I discovered <laughs> <laughs> that market forces were just a construction, like a just a just a an, an imagination, like uh, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. <laughs> um. I don't really have that much to say about the Trelawney mission. Um, did you play for a while, or did you just go all in on the first hand that Strauss nodded you to? I just had to follow Strauss. I like I said, I don't know how to play card games. Like I oh, I don't, I don't either. Yeah. No. Um, no, I couldn't figure it out. So I asked Nolan, and well, I looked it up online. I asked Nolan, and he told me just to follow, and so that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't give a fuck about getting the golden medal, so I was like, whatever game, guide me. <laughs> That's yeah. the one on the on the boat, right? Where yeah. You're okay. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, it is fun. Uh, I just like the idea of... <laughs> it, fe- it feels like Trelawney is such an of-the-time character. Mm-hmm. Like... Him, him today is he'd be s- like so out of place. He's he almost doesn't have a parallel in modern society. Oh, for sure, no. And uh, <laughs> it's just nice to see that like play out this kind of like Ocean's Eleven sort of right. this plot that like the people like least suited to be doing that sort of thing <laughs> yeah. are going through. Like Trelawney is the only one that really seems like he's in his element, and everybody else is just sort of like holding by until they eventually start shooting people. <laughs> yeah. It's it's silly. That's yeah. What the fuck is Strauss? Oh, yeah. Obviously, I don't know what he's doing there, but why? Why bring Strauss of all of all people? Well, it's like in the previous one. Why bring Bill yeah. to yeah. A, like to a ball? Why? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just part of being a uh, close knit gang. Is just that like uh, eventually some people who are like gonna wanna come along, right? Probably aren't the most well suited. But what are you gonna tell them? Like. You know, sorry, you're a fucking sorry idiot. Sorry, you suck <laughs> at this. Uh, but yeah, you can like draw it out and just play until he runs out of chips. Or first time you're going to lose, so fold. And the second time, um, Strauss gives you the nod, and you can just put it all in then, and that'll just speed it up because then he has like. I've got to watch. And you got to go through that whole fucking thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly on the rails. And 
there wasn't really anything I can think of said in in conversation um, that we haven't already kind of kind of touched on the implications of and all of that. So um, there is something about like so you're gambling, right? Mm-hmm. You're doing poorly, right? And then you're like, okay, the only thing I have left to gamble is this like priceless heirloom that I happen to have. So has it ever been, has it ever, ever been the case that you put that up and then you win it all back? Right. I've never seen like in any kind of like scenario, real or fictional, that somebody has like put up the priceless heirloom and then just won it all back and everything's fine. Yeah, normally it's like, oh, my life, everything's gone. Yeah. (laughs) Because narratively, that's uninteresting. If right. You, if you, like, put up a giant risky bed and then it's just fine. <laughs> yeah. But, like, in, in real life, it's just that, like, it's only ever evidence of somebody's fucking vice for gambling. Yeah. But I can't think of a single time when that's that's worked out. I mean, unless it was like part of a like a scam and it just like wasn't worth anything. Right. They're doing it to like I don't know, fucking. So um so yeah, we'll leave off there. Um next week we'll um meet up with Brother Dorkins again. And um Yeah, that guy. Yeah, you were in the bathroom when we we talked about him. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Okay. I l- love that dude. Um, He's fun. Yeah. Uh, good, good man or you know CGI. Yeah. Model NPC. Um, <laughs> NPC of God. <laughs> there we go. That's the one. Um. Yeah, we'll meet up with him again. And um, I'm trying to think what else, what else is on the dock. I guess we'll go ahead and do Tilly's mission. I always forget that that's just kind of hanging there in the background until I have really nothing else to do. Um, when I ha- I'm kind of forced into doing it in uh, Chapter Four. I didn't realize it was at like at the beginning of the game. Is but it when uh, Tilly gets kidnapped? Yeah. Yeah. So. Has she been? Oh fuck! I feel like an asshole now, because I've just been like, you know, just going on dates with my ex and going to like fancy dinners and, you know, going to the boat and all these kinds of things and just live, just living my life, just being Arthur. And Tilly's been fucking kidnapped this whole time. I she's still yeah. in camp for me, just like oh, is she just sitting there? Okay. At least I'm pretty sure. Like, I walk past her and I look at the domino symbol and I'm like, mm, no, not <laughs> right now. Mm-mm. The, ti- the timing is strange. Yeah. But goddamn, that shit sucks. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a good moment, not only for Tilly and, like, showing how, like, uh, her dynamic in the, in the group and everything, but mm-hmm. also for... Uh, uh, what is her name? I keep wanting to call her Braithwaite, but uh, the old bitch. What is her? Oh, uh, Susan. Susan, yeah. Yeah. Um, Grimshaw. Yeah. Uh, it's it's nice showing that like 
she does care. Like she, yeah, she actually is. She's not just there to like whip everybody. She's, she, she is also. She cares about their well being, and she. It, it may be contextualized like as her pride mm-hmm. that she that she wants to protect them. Like it's just like an over like she's one of their so like like Tilly is one of their people. So for someone to hurt her is to hurt her, hurt mm-hmm. Grimshaw. Um, but it's it's just nice seeing that she actually gives a shit. Yeah, and that she's willing to go out and do something about it. We'll dive into that next week. Um. But I guess for now, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump over to the to the Christmas Carol. So this was your first first time any yeah. kind of any kind of Carol. I just haven't seen it. I knew what the story was. Okay, I don't know if you had like read it in school or what the fuck ever. No, um, my public school's dumb, so yeah, we don't talk about Christmas stuff. Um, no, I knew about it. We watched the movie, and then, funny enough, later that night, no, the next day, I found a, an analysis of who the story is based off of, mm-hmm. and it was wild. On the YouTubes? No, TikTok. Oh. I, mm. didn't, I didn't realize there was a uh, a real-world parallel to Scrooge. There Besides is, but all just talking. The real world parallels right, to yeah. yeah. It seems like it's so it's so ubiquitous that like he could say it about anybody who's in that position. Yeah. So they were just um, Scrooge and his partner were just really gay. Apparently, that's what the whole video was about. Well, it's on just TikTok, like so they're of course right. they're pulling that shit. I mean, I yeah. no, like, but no, because in the in the play, Marley has his own wife, right? Yeah, I think so. And fucking. Scrooge is just like Scrooge has his own uh his own female uh counterpart as well. Yeah. So first thing before all of like all of that the first thing that I have to have to ask is or have to get into is like the dietary implications of this <laughs> universe. <laughs> Yeah, it's really strange. Gosling. Yeah. Because in that in the past and it showed him sitting over lonely in the corner, the geese from the aristocrats mm-hmm. were there dancing and he called them his friends cuz he was like, "All oh, my friends are here." But then he's like, "Ooh, have a candied goose or whatever the fuck he whatever the fuck he said yeah. in the beginning." You know, yeah. it's just like I know you know pigs. I know you know geese. What the fuck are you doing eating them? A candied gosling? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Um, God, it's so it is so strange. It's so so weird. But it's yeah. like there's like doves, there's random dogs and cats, like non sentient ones. Right. Yeah. The and I guess Looney Tunes is the same is the same way. Well, I don't know. Looney Tunes leans into it more, you know, and the like. There's always a kind of an antagonism between Daffy Duck and Elmer Fudd because Elmer Fudd and uh and Bugs because Elmer Fudd wants to catch them and 
and eat, eat them. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the uh, anthropomorphization of like Disney characters without ever like addressing those kind of realities. I don't know. It's kind of jarring and weird at times, but yeah, it is weird to see a man who works for a bird. Right. Pull a bird out of the oven. Yeah. To feed his family, which I mean, get that on you. But <laughs> yeah. That I get. That one's fine. Yeah. I'm not saying that uh, I'm not supportive. I'm saying it's just it's just strange for it to not be a an issue at all. So, you know, honestly, nineteenth uh, century idealist criticisms of capitalism yeah. are genuinely better than I would expect of Disney yeah. today. Yeah. So, you know, good on them forever making. Uh, a story like this and not really glossing over it too much. But, you know, this is not really a, Di- a Disney thing. This is before, really, this is before Disney was that much of an institution. Yeah. You know, there was, was a brand. 83, something like that? 83, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a dark time for animation. So there was like, there was a brand and like, um, and a certain like, Oh, what sort of looking aesthetic to Disney, but it's not in like the total whitewashing of everything like it is that they get their hands on today. Uh, but you know, the thing is, his old boss is kind of painted as a good and swell guy, which kind of undercuts any statement that it's making about bosses and just whittles it down into being an individual critique about Scrooge. Well, Marley says, do you remember how I was this just awful person? Yeah. Well, now I have to carry chains and I don't want to do that, so I have to make you a good person. Right. So he's like, he's not that good. He's just inconvenienced. Yeah, but what what I'm getting at is like, it's, it's not about the institution. It's about the personal character of, exactly. of each of these people. Right. Because his, his old boss, when he was uh, a lowly little worker, is, you know, is uh, jovial and happy and kind. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah. Kind guy and everything. I thought you were talking about Marley, the ghost, as no. the other boss. That's what I thought you were talking about. Oh, no. That was his partner. Yeah. Well, I thought you were talking about Mickey's character. No, I was talking as about As his boss, yeah. Um. But yeah, on on Mickey uh, or or Cratchit or whatever, does Scrooge only have one employee? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's how fucking rich off of the labor of one employee, and he gives him. Oh God, he had a partnership. Two people. Or rich off of the wealth of, or off of the surplus value generated by one employee. Yeah. And I he gives this motherfucker uh, a raise and Christmas off. And and now he's like the fucking redeemed hero yeah. of the story. Right. That's gives him some toys. Uh, honestly, it makes him partner, I guess. But, uh, yeah. 
the oh okay yeah that's right he he elevates the <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. that's that's how that's how you yeah. be a good person is you you elevate somebody in the exploited class into the exploitation class right S- solid <laughs> <laughs> come on Mickey we'll find another poor sap to work for <laughs> us yeah basically we'll get my nephew Donald fucking hate him anyway yeah. No, but uh, I mean, like, so I'm I I don't I don't know how many people I feel like he would need more like thugs, but they may have been like people he would just like go and hire, right? Because if he's if he's a money lender, which that seems like the main thing that he does, because he's always he's talking about interest when they're at yeah. the opening scene and stuff like that, um, which is a great way to get rich and not actually do anything valuable or have to work at all. Mm-hmm. You're basically just counting money all the time. Um, uh, if he's doing that, the only thing that he really needs, other than his own bookkeeping, and somebody to like work reception, like like uh, Cratchit does, is somebody to go out and like break people's legs and stuff, right. whatever. Which maybe you don't want to have as like a full time employee, because then you can just be like, "That's the guy that broke my legs, and that's the guy who hired him to do it." <laughs> so I guess you may just like hire thugs to go do the thing. I wonder who. Because my first guess would have been Pete. But Pete is the very terrifying to me as a young child. Yeah, ghost of Christmas future. Now very funny as mm-hmm. an adult. Seeing this uh, through an adult's eyes was very strange because yeah. I remember being like spooked by two or three scenes in this, and it's just it's the most friendly yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> interpretation of this I can think of. Uh, yeah. So, um, and I can I can come back over again and watch watch something, but uh, we should pick something else for this next week, and then the week after for actual Christmas week, uh, Christmassy to watch. This is perfect because it's short, it's classic, it's it's Disney and blah 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 blah. Like it's gonna be hard. Like we could do the. Like the old like uh claymation like Jack Frost and uh Rudolph shorts. But I don't think they'll have as much to give us conversation wise. Um I don't know. Uh I've always wanted to talk about um what uh yeah, what is it, Heat Miser and, and uh mm-hmm. what, is that? what is that movie called? I can't remember, but I think I have the DVD at the house. Yeah. Okay. We can we'll check that out. Yeah, we'll do that next week. If it's not at my house, it's at my parents', which will be fine. Cool. Um. Yes. Yeah, so there wasn't. Uh, at least when I checked yesterday, there wasn't a new uh, Ruby. So I think we're done with those. Um. You want spoilers? On what? Genlock. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, Cammy unioned herself and, like, died and did the fucking, uh, whatever the fuck it's called, thing, and then came back the next episode, which, of you know, course. kind of undercut it a little bit, and, um, But yeah, and then I watched the 
second arc of uh, of the thing of Arcane. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, honestly, the exact same thing as the first three episodes. In that, I go into it, and it's like, okay, what's going on? Feel like there's a time skip. Mm-hmm. Did she really just uh, fucking kill Vi? Okay, that wasn't Vi. There was a different character. Yep. Um, I totally felt that too. Mm-hmm. Like and we stopped watching after that episode because we had been watching it all at once. So yeah. we went a couple days thinking she had actually killed Vi. What the uh, fuck's What the fuck's going on? And then by the end of episode six, okay, I'm into it. I'm ready. To, and I haven't watched any more because I, I wanted to keep my analysis yeah. cut to this arc and not let right. the next three episodes affect how I see about these episodes. I this is actually my favorite thing that the show does is that it like it really like makes you question why you're enjoying it and who you're actually fucking supposed to be supporting and even like what is literally happening. Like not in a sense where like the narrative beats aren't there but like like what is the content of these things that have happened so far because right. it it feels like it's really not afraid to give uh scenes consequences and, and things like that and everything is is antecedent of of something else that like was was relevant to the plot in in this nice like winding like path but uh yeah no it just the 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 security it seems to have with the like having the audience not have a complete sense of dramatic irony at all times, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of shows uh, rely on nowadays. If the like, this is one thing that Game of Thrones uh, like it was one of the best things about Game of Thrones is that it would do that. It would be like this is how much you anyone would know about what's going on based yeah. off of this point in time. So we're not going to give you everything so that you can just experience the the struggle of of wanting everyone to have clarity it's just that like and the the, the few things that you do have like a, a a bird's eye view on are like like the the macguffin like uh 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 fucking arcane ball thing mm-hmm. that jace makes oh the hex core yeah is that what it's called yeah hex something hex tech hex tech yeah his his uh his blue Itch. balls yeah so have you seen the inventions that they've made for Hextech? Uh, yeah, have they have they uh have they the prototypes, the uh where are they with Hextech at, at where where you're at? Um so the end of the last episode uh, let's see, the I think it was in the fifth episode where um what's his fucking name? Jace, Victor. Yeah, Jace and What's-Your-Face fucked while Victor was fucking with the Mm -hmm, mm Hextech. And And some blood in there or whatever. Yeah. And then um, I don't really think really significant about it in six in the last episode that I watched. Um, I thought it was in Act 2, but maybe (coughs) it was beginning of Act 3. What's his name? Heim- Heimdegger, the, yeah. the little guy. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
He so cute. Yeah, he is fucking adorable. And so is his little like goat mustache thing, mm-hmm. which. How did he get that thing? Did I he don't like know. genetically engineer a small goat to look like him? Probably. That's uh, very funny. Whatever it is, I want it. Yeah. I just want to snuggle it towards my face. Right. Uh, it's all very cute. But like, I, I like the path that they go along with with his character. Um, you'll you'll see like why he feels the way he does about stuff as as time goes on. But like, I just like that. That's where the tension lies in the uh, in like the Jace Victor. Um, it's 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 nice to see that like you can have two different kinds of of conflict be be readily expressed in the same same uh, society. Because if we look at like what the underworld is experiencing, it's mm. always like a brutal completely like physically violent yeah uh, uh contest that's happening and then in th- in the upper world everything th- like that is you know specifically you know on in this subterranean area mm-hmm. everything that they experience is of this like high-minded conflict of like what should we do about these 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 uh these these uh these points of conflict that we've created in right. into having this like high echelon of society, and they come to some like honestly some pretty unique conclusions about it, based on or at least Jace does based off of uh, uh, like his uh, his own personal experience with it, as time goes on. But like, it's it's just it's. It's interesting to see how that, like, the, the machinations of, like, a ruling class always inevitably trickle down to the people who have to live through mm-hmm. the the consequences of those decisions that they have no fucking control over. Right. And then you get a, a character like Caitlin, who, uh, you know... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. She uh, kind of represents the the, like the inevitable inquisition into the material conditions that create your reality because she has a conscience and she values herself as someone who is like capable of changing the world and making it better and protecting people. And so that inevitably leads her to not be a part of the like policing entity mm-hmm. that controlling the, uh, uh, the status quo here. And, causes her to to inquire further and go into the underbelly and actually see the material conditions that are being created by the uh by the uh, ascension of all all the rich people on top and her family and like she makes the the real the only decision that a uh, uh a conscious person can have and that's like it's more valuable to be in the tactile world and have your your life expressed through your own personal actions and and virtue as opposed to to just like sit back and allow the uh system that like gave you wealth and all of this stuff to just continue on um even though you're aware on some level of of uh it's it's inherent exploitation cuz you know the the whole the whole idea of there being a council it's like the there's sort of a um i don't know it's like a, it's like a it's like a tumor in the mind of a of a society that's kind of like 
going over all of its all of its nascent decisions and and fucking like driving everything, but it's inherently cancerous. Yeah, because <laughs> it it's it's control where there you know there there shouldn't be. It's a uh, it's it's a uh, yeah. I mean, I guess a tumor is the best way to I can conceive of it. Well, but I it hope can, it can show you that things need to change, also. Yeah. Based off of its ugliness and its its malformed nature. Well, I hope the malformed nature of this podcast has soothed the tumor in your mind. <laughs> uh, follow, subscribe, like whatever the buttons tell you to do on the thing you're listening on. Uh, as always, patreon.com slash indie carnival. You want to throw us a buck or two. Um, got merch on uh, tpublic.com. I don't know, indie carnival store. The URL is fucked. But we've got merch that you can buy if you want to buy some shit. Uh, Be Good has a show this weekend. Yes? Mm-hmm. The 18th. Yep. At the Cul de Shack in Murfreesboro. Um, I I doubt you're one of the people that can make it, but if you are, please do. And if not, you can still listen to our stuff on all major online distributors and, you know, go to our IndieCarnival.com uh, slash, or wait, nope, uh, T-Public, wait, it, what is it? Um, T-Public.com slash IndieCarnival? I believe so. Yeah, that's one of the best ways to support us if that's what you want to do, is to, is to grab uh, grab some teas. And there's there's other stuff too. There's pillows. There's there's mugs. It's just you know. Yeah, all the designs there you can put on pretty much anything, anything you want. You need a notebook. You need a mask. Um, you know, whatever. It's all. It's all right there. Um, and I I mentioned last time Fox is single. Um, Hell yeah. Ready. Um, this time of year, it's really hard to do anything, so we're still waiting to find time for me and Jacob to meet up and finalize the, the art design, um, but, you know, that shouldn't take too long, we'll get that out sometime in early January, um, and... I don't know. We do something, because I'm fucking restless. So expect, make well, or maybe some version of boxers, although I'm not fucking. If Brian's not going to do it, I'm not fucking. I'm too fucking old to start a new fucking band playing music that I should have stopped playing when I was. It's fine playing boxers when I was 29. Now I feel too old. What? I, I do. Like, I feel too old to be playing just, like, simple, aggressive punk music. Hmm. Well, like, let's just write some complex, aggressive punk music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did that, too. Yeah. And Happy Happy's probably the most complex song I've ever written as far as, like, the changes and stuff go. Hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, we'll see you guys next time or hear you guys next time or you'll hear us. Whatever. Merry Christmas. Fuck you. Bye.